you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The Nerdist Podcast number 38 is generously brought to you by GoToAssist Express. If you're in tech support, save time and money by supporting your clients and colleagues remotely with GoToAssist Express. For a free 30-day trial, visit GoToAssist.com slash Nerdist. I said GoToAssist.com slash Nerdist. The song you're listening to underneath my talking words is called Dunno, and it's by Duckworks. D-U-C-K-W-E-R-K-S. Who were kind enough to uh, give me a music bed when I needed one so I could talk over it like this. Like I'm doing it right now, I'm demonstrating how to use a music bed. Uh, I'd also like to say I will be performing stand-up comedy jokes at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia this Friday and Saturday, October 1st and 2nd. So if you're in the Arlington slash DC area or anywhere, uh, come to that show, arlingtondrafthouse.com. And now this episode. Uh, our guest was Paul Shear. He is... And hilarious comedian. Uh, he's been with the UCB Theater since pretty much since the beginning. He's uh, a member of Human Giant. He's also been on 30 Rock. You probably know him as the rival page to Kenneth uh, by the name of Donnie Lawson. He's been on Reno 911, Sarah Silverman, Children's Hospital, Funnier Die Presents, and his current show is called The League. Incredible guy. Uh, super nice, super funny. So uh, let's all sit back and listen together. Yeah, I'm going to listen to my own podcast. That's how deep the narcissism rivers run. Now entering Nerdist.com. It sounds big in here. It does. Yeah. Well, it always sounds that way, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't listen. That's because we're in my huge mansion. <laughs> mm. Is this room actually, actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? Uh, always, that's a very terrifying image for a family, the hanging woman. Oh, in the, in the haunted mansion? Yeah. 
But it's okay because she's just one of the ghosts that inhabit it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she wasn't dead, she couldn't inhabit the haunted mansion. I just always she might live there. I mean, like, yeah. what are you guys? Yeah, yeah, she would wreck it. It would be the lived-in mansion instead of the haunted mansion. I look at, like, eight-year-olds' faces when that's happening. <laughs> just like, how are they processing that? Uh, I, uh, I always wanted them to, like, actually make, like, picture frames of those pictures and then that you could stretch down when it's on your Ooh, wall. I like just kind of, like, it, it extends and so you can see them, you know, not almost getting eaten by an alligator. That's not feasible. Uh, R- Rob Zombie has one of the full unrolled really? Um, really? ones in his house, and you can actually see the roller marks. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. It's in a massive, it's huge. That's crazy. You know, uh, Peter Atencio's uncle, Xavier Atencio, was an huh. Imagineer. That's not a real name. <laughs> it is. He like, uh, like we, went, we shot something at his place once, and he has like a headstone mm-hmm. from the Haunted Mansion right. from, with his name on it. And also his name is up on one of the windows on Main Street. That's Holy amazing. shit. Yeah. He also helped write the fucking theme song for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. The fucking theme song. Sorry. When Napster first yo, came yo, out, Pirates Life for me? everyone was downloading, I don't know, like Three Doors Down, right? That was a big band. <laughs> Savage Garden. Everyone. 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 Train. Train. But all I did on Napster was download... Walt Disney monorail announcement. I did the same oh, thing. Everything. I did the same thing. I got all these obscure ones from like from Frontierland. Oh yeah, and, they're the best. It's yeah. like it's like there's one that's a rainy day on Main Street. It's like oh don't worry, it's a rainy day, but you can still enjoy all the amazing oh, wow. amenities of Walt Disney World. That person yeah. you're listening to is Paul Shear. Oh Paul right Shear. Right now. Oh, Comedian, oh, actor, oh, writer, member of Human Giant. Yes. If, if, you, if you go to uh, Big Thunder Mountain, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the train the train. Sorry, BTM. BTM. If you go to BTM, um, the the sign is so weird because it says something like, uh, you know, it's a warning to pregnant people or people with bad backs or whatever, where, you know, it says, you will be transported through a. It's, 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 the wording is so specific, like uh, a pioneer themed. Like like it, uh, point, like it points out the fact, like the, oh well, you know, because this is pioneer themed, this might uh, be more dangerous. My uh, back, my back cannot take uh, a pioneer what, theme. I, I, don't don't like, I don't like that FedEx has taken over Space Mountain. Yeah, uh, Space Mountain used to be no, awesome. No, no, FedEx it, took over um, Star Tours. Well, it always. No, I thought FedEx they, is basically. But it always used to. They always used to have sponsorships. Like they, they always, always used to. They but, always. but they're more blatant now. Like they're really. I are. I, I remember. I feel like the last time I went, it was like the logos were on. Yeah. Like before, it used to be like you know like Tropicana sponsors the this tiki pineapple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're fine. Now it's just FedEx Mountain. FedEx <laughs> Mountain, yeah, exactly. Or Duracell well, start to deliver packages now on Space Mountain. They make you work for the yeah, ride. Yeah, you have to like collate things Could according you? to the zip code <laughs> and then throw them down <laughs> to the right. Uh, and then the track, the tracks actually go underground and take to uh, the sorting room uh, <laughs> where you have to go. My through. favorite yeah. warning was at Jurassic Park and Universal in Orlando. It said. If you have medical sensitivity to fog effects, why <laughs> <laughs> do I? I'm like diagnosing you. Yeah. Hmm, well, it yes, seems um, as though you're. Uh, can you list off your allergies? <laughs> uh, I have medical sensitivity to fog. <laughs> what a, you uh, you won't die unless you get into fog. Big fog, not real fog. Real, real fog. fog, you're fine. These are fog effects. We're Here's talking. what you can't do now. I can't right. go to Guitar Center. Were you trying to fucking kill me? <laughs> <laughs> There's fake fog in there. Raves can't go. <laughs> I'm very excited about new Star Tours and kind of want to go see Captain EO. Yeah. Is Captain EO come back? It it's is. Back. It's back. Oh, it's back. With the vengeance. Yeah, Captain EO is back yeah. at Disneyland. That's going to be kind of eerie. Is that though? because Captain EO passed away? Captain EO passed away <laughs> and then they were brought back. But I feel like that's also like it, probably better in theory than execution because the effects 
we're not redone. I, I no. believe you're just seeing like the old 1980s. Just a nicer print. Like near the end, the Captain Neo, the screen was ripped. I'd love to see Captain Neo, where it's just Keanu Reeves. Ooh, like, yeah. That'd be awesome. Apologizing for the last two Matrix movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, just guys. another part of me. Squeeze. Squeeze. Um, Jonah, let's talk for a second quickly about... Uh, you know, people always ask who does the theme song for the Nerdist Podcast. It is the band Anamanaguchi. Yes. Awesome chip rock 8-bit music. Yes. And uh, you put on a show with them at uh, at the Meltdown Comics the Meltdown a couple Comics. weeks ago. Yeah. How did it go? I was <laughs> out of town, so I couldn't go. It was uh, it was awesome. It was a great show, great crowd. Uh, but the cr- crowd that came was new young people that dressed up. Are you talking and, about babies? No, like, no, the new young people. No, it was just like, it was a weird, like, younger, like, kind of high school-y crowd. What did they want to see? They were there to see Anamanaguchi, okay. the band. Um, and, uh, like, but, like, it's a weird style of new nerd. It's right. like, it's a hipster nerd kid in high school that dresses, like, like Pikachu. There was kids, like, in Pikachu hoodies. And it, I have seen that. That's yeah. fucking unacceptable. Yeah, I don't get it because like, and then like, I'm get, I'm guessing that this is the, now the gap. Like now, I am. We're old. becoming Japan though. I mean, that's how I feel like people are dressing. Is that was that? Like, yeah, that's what like? it felt like. It was like just kids in dumb. Yeah, when someone who's gonna dress yeah. like the island of Japan. I love like, that. That's so topographical A lot of hats with ears. Yeah, there was a lot of hats yeah. with ears. Uh, yeah, were they really... laughing at the other part? Was there comedy with the band? No, I just I, oh. I don't like to do that. I think that's uh, I don't like I don't think comedy and music really work well as much as everyone involved would love for it to work. Right? What are you talking about? But we're just a bummer shoot. There was a great comedy. No, music but there was comedy in separate stages. Yeah, separate stages. Not like a guy opening up for bring. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, Bring the Rock is a comedy music show. That's you know like but like say like a guy opening up for you know if a guy opened up for Weezer watched, it would have gone well. I watched Naked Baby. Very funny sketch group: Rob Corddry, Seth Morris, Brian Husky. Uh, all these guys perform before Tenacious D in New York City when Tenacious D was at its height. No one can open for them, though. No, yeah, well, it's impossible. It's like no one. I feel like there's an, a weird thing too, where the band is like, where they're trying to appease their crowd, but their crowd has no conception. Like they're not stopping the band from coming out. Like they yeah. are, they are <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like no matter how much you boo them, no matter how much you don't like them. The band will still come out at the designated yeah. time. I remember I saw A. Whitney Brown open up for. I mean, this is, this is a talk. <laughs> yeah. for Roger Whitaker at uh, in La Jolla. Little Feet, if you remember that, like a Cajun wow. band, yeah. and it was at the Syracuse County Fair uh, in New York, <laughs> and they were booing him and heckling him, and he just got so angry. He goes, "You are a bunch of idiots." Don't you realize, like, I was contracted to be here. I have to do 30 minutes. (laughs) If I leave now, you're going to sit 15 minutes of silence. Uh. And they were like, good, good. (laughs) And he was like, all right, fine. And then we sat there 15 minutes of silence. I opened up for Man Man in New York, um, like, a few years back, and it didn't go well. Because the Man Man fans are kind of aggressive. Uh, They're good guys, good band, but the fans, for the most part, suck. Right. And a guy who looked like a wrestler... Started storming the stage as I was talking about Hulk Hogan oh, no. and, and his music and like uh, Hulk Hogan's music. Yeah, you know the wrestling boot band. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I want to be a Hulkamaniac. I got that yeah. CD on my yeah. yeah. Yes, I have it on my iPod. The, uh, I just digitized my whole Hulkster collection. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I didn't want anything. Hulkster in Heaven is one of the greatest songs yeah. ever. But like I was talking about this stuff, and the guy comes on stage and body slams me, and then starts kicking what? me. What? Yeah, it was a horrible experience. Now, why would you close your show with that? No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bad. Uh, it's got to end big. It wasn't. It wasn't fairness, on purpose. In fairness, to him, you probably just didn't know how to fall, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and then afterwards, the guy came up to me. He's like, hey, man, funny show. I was like, what are you fucking talking about? You kicked me on the grass. Like, yeah, but oh, he that's was, all part he, of he it. He was doing the Hulk thing, like, from Rocky Three. Yeah, he was He was basically acting like a wrestler. And, like, yep. came up to me acting like it was, like, everything was cool. You should that You is. should Richard Belzer him. You remember when Richard Belzer sued the Hulk? <laughs> he oh, yeah, right. Heard his Letterman. Neck? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I just heard that Letterman was in on that Joaquin Phoenix bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Which is good and bad. It just makes that documentary like. Well, why, why, why would, they should have come out with that information much later, not now. Yeah, I feel like they blew their load. It's like, wait for the first week to go by and well, let people question it. And then still, like, they just wreck it all before yeah. it's even out. It's almost but as everybody, bad as the like, time I saw Joy Behar open for Social Distortion. That was, <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that was bad. bad combination. Uh, but everybody, like, everyone was starting to freak out. Like, it's like, even Roger Ebert said, it's like, oh, it's so sad, this documentary. I can't believe Yeah, how fucking stupid. They had, that, they had that whole thing going for two years. Yeah. Two years, people thought. He flipped his lid, and yeah. then right the week the movie opens, he's like, hey, it was all bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. it's so crazy because I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's the only prank where everyone's like, oh, it's a prank. It's a prank? Yeah, it's a prank. Yeah. Oh, this is a prank. This is clearly a prank. It's a prank. Like, no, no, no. And then just when you don't care about it anymore, it's like, it was a prank. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we knew that, right? I mean, it's like, we kind of knew that. I, remember I, didn't, I didn't even really know Kaufman and Jerry Lawler were in it together until I saw Man of the Moon. Yeah. I was like, oh, it was a fucking thing. Like, I, I had my suspicions. Did Jerry Lawler play himself? Yeah, yeah he, he did. Played himself. It was great. Everyone played themselves. Yeah. It was a weird thing. But yeah, but I agree. Like that. Yeah, that's that's a good prank when they don't reveal it. Yeah. Like, keep me guessing. Come on. Yeah, it was, it was odd. But it's like, I, I guess everyone was like, you know, like he was like shaky on getting work now because everyone thought he was a you know, yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. fuck up. Yeah, I don't know. I remember. I th- I knew it was a hoax right when it's like it's like oh he's going crazy. That's kind of a bummer. Oh wait, there's a documentary by Casey Affleck. Oh, that's gonna be kind of funny. It kind of feels to me like rich people going. I saw Borat. Let's do our own version of it. <laughs> and, and, and sort of like not understanding why that was yeah. maybe interesting. And then yeah, that's, yeah, it's that's like some, some people don't understand irony and how to fuck with people. They're like, oh, so you, you just go out and fuck with people for no reason. Yeah. Hey, buddy, uh, I'm wearing a blue shirt. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yeah. Huh? I'm yeah. fucking with him. You just described every bad MTV re- uh, prank show ever. <laughs> yes. I Buzzkill. What was yeah. that? Buzzkill. Buzz yeah. You're like, getting mad. I just feel bad. Yeah, was it boiling points? Like how? Like how much of a? Yeah, you know, how much can you put up with that? Dang, yeah, boiling points is a terrible idea for a show too. I mean, everyone on it very funny. Alison Becker, Colton Dunn, but uh, <laughs> but but it's also like how much will you take until you yell at someone yeah. for being inept? And it was just like. It's a, it's a terrible position yeah. to put somebody How in. nice of a person are you? How forgiving are you? Yeah, and how much can they Not break? Very yeah. I can't fuck with people like that in public. Oh, like, I can't no. be a part of those shows. Like, um, um, Zach Alphanakis and uh, Matt Walsh did that Comedy Central show. Oh, Dog Bites Man. Dog Bites Man. I can't do stuff like that because I feel so bad fucking with people. And I also feel like... It's, you know, it's sort of like slapping a baby across the face. Like, these people don't know they're being fucked with, yeah. so, like, what what's the challenge? What's the challenge, really, in, like, you know, going up to someone and pretending you're not who they have no idea you are? Yeah. Like, it's, and, uh, I feel like I live my life by the tenet of, if I don't want it done to me, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I wouldn't want to be eating at a restaurant and some guy in a, you know, a bull costume comes over and starts prodding me with a stick. Yeah. Although, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but then, on the other hand, I love to watch it. Like, Scare Tactics? Best show <laughs> on television. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I like I like people being scared. I don't want to see other people being irritated because then I get irritated. Right. And when they went to the end, like fifty bucks. 
Like, yeah, it's oh, not yeah. worth it for me. I would pay 50 bucks to not be irritated. Well, you know, I guess the good thing about scare <laughs> tactics is, like, scare tactics really goes, like, it's not about irritating. It's, like, creating this weird world. Like, yes. the one that I saw that I, I love, I think about all the time, is, like, this girl goes over and she's a caterer. And this, and she's not in the main part of the house. She's in the kitchen. She's making stuff. And uh, the, the other girl who's in on it comes in. She's like, oh, man, it's a weird party. This guy's a little weird. And he comes in, and the guy is super weird. And he's like, why don't you come out and just talk to my guests, serve them food. She goes out and it's all mannequins. And, 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 like, and that was the funniest thing. It's so weird. So the guy is like, "Go, oh, this is Mitch. And Mitch meets Sally. And facilitating a conversation between a girl and a mannequin. Oh, and awesome. then like he tries to freeze her and make her a mannequin. Like, and uh, some, like, did, they, did they get Meshach Taylor to show up? Is that what they put in that LeBrock was there. Did Starship close it up? <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop us now. What Kramer did We don't have any more of those. Mannequins? No, well, mannequins, yeah. But it's, it's not making song. mannequin movies. What yeah, happened? Exactly. Yeah. It's like two or three in. <laughs> no, do it. the um, uh, scare tactics... You're right, because in the first season, I think they were just making people think they were going to die. Right. And it was yeah. like, ah, all right. And they turned yeah. to sci-fi stuff. Then right. it turned weird, because the one that I loved was this dude who's babysitting this little yes. girl. And the mother's like, oh, oh and you gosh. know, like, she, I haven't really been out before because her, you know, her sister passed away yes, recently. And he's great. like, oh, my God, I'll totally take care of her. It's going to be fine. And then... And the little girl's performance was Amazing. fucking flawless. She, she starts to, you can see a little bit that she starts to smile. Ah. And the guy is like so <laughs> weird. So she goes and unplugs the TV and then it comes back on. And then they rig the thing to slide across the coffee table and he jumps up and he's like, ah! Oh, no. <laughs> and then they like, like a thunder effect outside and the little girl standing And then there's the a little dead ghosty girl appears oh in the window. My God. And, and he calls the mom and he's like, you just have to, you have to come home. <laughs> like, it was so, I was, I love um, it. so well executed. Um, that is one of the best. That is, like the best skit Howard character. Kramer uh, played a, like a serial killer in a couple episodes oh, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah he was on a couple he yeah. was I, 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 would, I wouldn't do well with those things like um, I usually like talk about game like I don't believe in like ghosts and possessions but there was a one time where I was making out with a girl and then she had a seizure like in the middle of making out and like her eyes You're were just like good. dart like yeah exactly I got her so worked up but her eyes like just like got real wide and darted forward and like she like was clenching her jaw Ooh. and like was like convulsing you know what I call that Episexy. Episexy. <laughs> but like I, I like I was like, hey, what's wrong? And then like I felt like every guy in a horror movie was like, what's going on? What the fuck is wrong with you? And like, I turned on a light and she was just convulsing oh. in bed. And then she stopped. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I sometimes have seizures. She probably uh, would. Yeah. Before you start making out with her, she should probably say that. Yeah. I, uh, it's called frightening. I was so frightening. I thought it was going to be like, you know, in the first Friday the, or Nightmare on Elm Street where it's like she just starts getting dragged up on the wall uh, and up to the ceiling. It was not an orgasm? It was not. We were just, uh, we were just making out. Did you go back to making out? No, it's kind of hard to. After that? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Actually, I think the word orgasm could be dirtier. I want to start, I want to try to implement the word cumgasm. Cumgasm? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did That's she have a cumgasm? She totally did. She had a cumgasm. <laughs> it's a cumgasm, oh, you freak out. We, um, my, my wife and I, June, we were walking around today. Also hilarious, by the way. Very, Your wife is very hilarious. Funny. She's very, yeah, I think she's amazing. She, uh, we were walking around today and just like, we went into an open house because we were just walking. We passed it, and we're looking in this guy's room, and he has all this porn out. Like it was an open house, like a realtor there, whatever stacks of porn, and presented we as. Scare tactics. I went, and then, and, but like, and then I opened one and just come, just come, flew out of the case. But um, it was presented as if you would be like, oh yeah, this is my DVD collection, but they all were just porn, and like. 
like just gnarly kind of porn, all gay porn with like titles like butt slamming and like you know like like hairless bodies, like dudes doing it, like and, and, and you can no tell gay sex this. video. You can, you can see cocks and butts too. You can tell like, guys kiss. <laughs> The, the real estate agent tried to hide it by putting a picture of his family on the shelf, oh. like in front of it. So it was like two elderly people surrounded by a collection of hardcore porn. <laughs> next, which was next to a bed that had a doggy, um, a doggy Step ramp on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, doggy stand. It was like, oh, and he, and then we walked into his closet. and There was a nice, solid leather vest in there, like nice. a big ass. Look at like, like the two old trade. people, like. Would you like to see our collection of <laughs> Admiral Stroke Whistles, Hairless Boy Parades? This is your life's nice work. Cumgasm, don't you? <laughs> you want a cumgasm from Drunk on Cock <laughs> 4? Uh, <laughs> um, hey, this is... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, this is a good time. <laughs> Guys, I just have to take a minute. <laughs> You're welcome, our new sponsor. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Chris, next time when we uh, <laughs> your sponsor, say the word "come gas" before you do the, the sponsor thing. Oh, please don't mention drunk on cock four. I will tell you though, probably next week's sponsor will be Adam and Eve. After that, yeah, yeah exactly. Why not? <laughs> but seriously, guys, this episode is brought to you by GoTo Assist Express. Uh, so if your job is in tech support. There is a very easy way for you to save time and money. It's go, to, uh, it's go to Assist Express, which is brought to you by Citrix. Go to Assist is an easy and secure way to support your clients and colleagues online. It enables you to see a problem on their machine without having to be there in person. And then you solve it. I got angry for a second. But it's specifically designed for small businesses and professionals to support their clients. And the best part, you don't have to pre-install software on your customers' machines, which means you can start supporting them online instantly. Go to GoToAssist Express. Uh, you get 30 days for free. And um, go forward slash Nerdist. GoToAssist.com forward slash Nerdist. GoToAssist.com forward slash Nerdist. So, uh, gay cum gasms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but uh, yeah, I would think that if you were to show a house or even uh, have people over at a house, no matter how open you are, <laughs> you want to hide that porn or you want to put it out on a main show. I've, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Design to Sell. It's actually some of the things they recommend. Really? Put your gay porn everywhere. It was gay porn and silk stockings. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he had like every night. season of silk stockings and gay porn. This house is amazing. I kind of just want to buy the house and preserve it as a museum. You know, I think silk stockings is not enough gaping male buttholes. Yeah, <laughs> So I just think out. weird science, uh, Duckman and Silk Stockings. Yeah, was like I love Duckman. Yeah, Duckman yeah, was, Duck was fantastic. What was the show that Jim Carrey was on? The Duck Factory. The Duck Factory. Duck Factory. Duck Factory. Oh, I would like to Where correct something. He was the straight some, man. He was not, he was not he was a, a funny guy. Yeah. Um, I would like to not correct something, but add an addendum to your show. Dana Carvey's show, yes, it's on DVD. And you can get it. Last week there was a conversation about that. Yes, yes, was, yes. A couple yes. people on Twitter yes. said that. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I, 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 don't, I don't understand why we didn't know that, though. It's very cheap. I got my copy recently for 11 bucks used on Amazon. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So go, go and go I, pick I that, that up. Well. Why was yeah. that a better advertisement than what we're getting paid for? <laughs> uh, I got paid by Dana Carvey. All he right. sent me fifteen dollars. I just mentioned it casually. <laughs> but as a fan of that show and listening to it, I I, uh, I wanted to. Yeah, there was comments on the the site of people going. Yeah, here's, here's a link, assholes. Oh, okay. How much so, of a fan are you? 
you fucking jerk. Yeah, uh, that's exactly how you. I was at a taping of one of those shows. Really? Whoa. Yes. Um, I didn't know what it was, and I was like, I I brought my girlfriend at the time who hated it, uh, but it was Dumper. it was amazing. It was a. It was crazy. It was uh, he was doing Charles Grodin impressions and oh, it was stuff so that you could bizarre. never uh, yeah. stuff that was so bizarre. And I remember seeing it on television. It was heavily edited, so the wow. DVD I think restores. Uh, oh, most that's of good. It back. Yeah, yeah those it. those. And then uh, you know I had stolen a VHS tape from MTV in the '90s, which had like a just a, the best of the Ben Stiller show. Oh wow! The oh the MTV one. Uh, it was the Fox one, but oh, okay. for some reason they they had it, and it, like some of those sketches were. That's on DVD. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can get the complete series on there. I um, speaking, of, speaking about stealing things from MTV, when I was there long before Human Giant, um, there was that show called Fanatic. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I opened up a locker one time and found all the submission tapes. No. <laughs> and that was like hitting a jackpot of oh insanity. Did you take them? I. I did not take them. I remember sitting there and like staying until like four in the morning, <laughs> just because po- it could never uh-huh. be more than three minutes uh-huh. long. So you were just watching That's like fantastic. nuggets of insane things, like just like I love Jason Priestley. Here's movie stubs of every time I saw Calendar Girl in the theater <laughs> and eight seconds in the theater. It was like uh, like a formatted book and like just Jason Priestley pictures and like just insane like. People's rooms just wow. decorated. Did you see uh, Matthew Myra's I Love Dave Matthews submission tape? Wow. Uh, I've been to every I'm several. 42 of them. Okay. They're all, they're all good. <laughs> Do they the vary? Hollywood Bowl was terrible. Though. Do they, really? Why? The Hollywood Bowl show, I don't know what the, was going on with the sound that night, but it was awful. Oh, it I must have been you actually heard him for the first time. Uh, you know what happened? Uh, you met Dave Matthews. Probably drank the water. Uh, have you met Dave Matthews? Like, uh, have you seen him 42 times? I've, I've seen him 42 times, yeah, in concert. So what's the closest you've gotten to him? Like, have you gotten past being... No, a... I've been front row. That's as close as... Well, we got wow. news for you, Matt. Come inside! I'm from South Africa. Will he crash into me? He will. He's got more of a drawl. What? He's got more of a Virginia drawl than oh, a South African accent. I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. It's okay. What, would you suck his balls if you got to go to a Free Dave Matthews concert? I'd lick concert them. Every... I wouldn't suck them. I would lick them. You would lick You would lick Dave Matthews' <laughs> balls if you got free tickets every Dave Matthews concert forever. No. Matt, I have to say that yes. I feel like you are a good compulsive fan because it doesn't He's a good seem like, fan. Yeah, you haven't reached out to him. Yes, no, no, it's no, no. forty-two times. It's a lot, but you have not. You've not gone past that. You are no, just no, an no. audience. I member. just enjoy and please. You know what? Please, I, I'm, but, but and, and then I think about my fandom and stuff, and, and I'm a bad example because I was I was always like, oh my god, I bet Weird Al and I would totally be friends. <laughs> now we're friends. That, so yeah, like that that to- that completely was that that negatively reinforced my idea that I could be friends with people I was fans of. I can't like I have to find the right mode to get into a conversation with somebody I respect too much. Who do you like? Who have you met? Well, let's see. The person that I that I couldn't say a word to, Joss Whedon, who I'm a huge fan of. We were in the same elevator. We were on the same floor in the same hotel room during Comic Con, or not the same hotel yeah. room, hotel. You're in the same hotel room. You didn't talk to him in the same room. He didn't know. Weird. He didn't know. He would steal the blankets, and I just would kind of pull without saying But he was a guy. I was in the elevator. We were alone, and I was like, "This could be a moment where I could say something." There's a definite out, and I just. Put down my head and didn't say a word. I was too frightened. Wow. I was too frightened. But Weird Al, great example of a person who is uh, my entire life uh, fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when my mom took away my uh, 
Weird Al Yankovic in 3D because my mom became a born, born again Christian at one point, so and they put on an album. No good. Well, oh, it was, it was on Nature it? Trail to yeah. Hell. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like Weird Al is the cleanest, most family yeah. friendly act. But it yeah. just shows you like this how dumb they were. Like it says Hell. Yeah, He's yeah. Clearly wanting these kids to go to Hell, and so yeah, we had to break my wow. Weird Al album. But then I got it back. Yeah, that's cool. you did. Yeah, I got it back eventually. I mean, you know, my cousin, my cousin had this insane Beatles collection of. Stuff that today would be worth so much fucking money. I mean, right. he, he he was collecting the stuff before people really commonly did that as a thing. Right. And uh, my aunt totally went uh, Christy on him and made him sell it all. Cause she was, was it like, because you of... shall not have false idols. Oh. I was like, oh, uh, so hard. I thought it might have been because of the bigger than Jesus comment that she... Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that didn't help. But it's a good thing, though, to get real religious and then, you know, like, hey, there's people sleeping in the streets, but I'm going to focus on this one dumb thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Get, get, get rid of all that Beatles stuff. Yeah. Right? Get, get rid of it. Get rid of it. That's right. Really? Yeah. Is that, are you sure that's really yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it out of here. So you got to keep it off the streets. You know? <laughs> he doesn't join a gang or anything. Thing. He's pretty nice. He kid. likes the Beatles. He's worth the devil. Oh, <laughs> you will be the one taking a nature trail to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Does there anyone else that you that you uh, met that? Uh... Who did I meet? That is. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I've met and worked with a little bit Damon Lindelof, who is. Yeah, let's talk about your involvement. How did you and, and, and Hubel get involved with Lost? Um, I well, Hubel really did not get involved with Lost. It was only really me. Uh, he hosted the show with me at UCB. Okay. But besides that, it was, um, I was doing this movie, Piranha 3D, which just came out. And, awesome uh, movie. Insane movie. I think but, my friend Josh Stolberg directed that. Did Josh No. Uh, did he write he it? He may have written it. Alex Aja, it. French director, directed okay. The Hills Have Eyes. Josh Stolberg, did he write Sorority Row? I can't remember. Okay. I don't I know. know. The, writers came, the writers came and visited uh, one day, and they were very nice. But they were also rewritten by the French director and his partner. And the script read sometimes like it was in Google Translator, uh, which was amazing. <laughs> like, it was like, you must not go now. Spring break fun, yes. Uh, so, um, they're on a dick eating, yes. <laughs> they, um, I used to write these lost blogs, and I got a phone call from the person who cast me in Piranha, and she was like, Hey, I'm friends with Damon, and he wanted to know if you'd be interested in, in doing this thing at Comic-Con. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do something at Comic-Con with them. And so the whole thing was they were going to launch this new website called like Damon Carlton and a Polar Bear and give away these exclusive art prints. So that was like my first foray with them, is like getting in like big conference calls with like Damon Lindelof, Carlton Cuse, uh, Jensen Carp, who did all the art. He does this uh, cool gallery, Gallery 1988, and then Norino Tool. We just all kind of had this little conference and that was fun and then he is uh, I wouldn't say he was a friend but he is an, an, a nice acquaintance he came out to see Piranha uh, when I had a little group of people go to he's see he's great yeah. first of all that Gallery 1988 show that had the, the Lost Art at it was so good. awesome there, yeah. there's also a Gallery 1988 in San Francisco as well yes, that's right well, yeah. the Gallery 1988 right now is doing an amazing thing Goonies, Ghostbusters, oh, and Gremlins. Three Gs. Yeah. Three Gs, which yeah, yeah. is just all artwork inspired. Yeah, it's, yeah let's it's, talk about Gallery 1988 for yeah. a sec, because some fucking great. jerk got my original uh, Steve Martin, the jerk. Oh, oh yes. That's right. That, the reason why I scooped that from you is because of Lost. Well, it was it, it was I, when I heard that it was you who bought. It, so there's this guy. The artist's name is. Uh, oh, um, oh, why am I forgetting? He's so uh, good. He also did the McFly family. Yes, uh, his name is. I asked him to do that. He is. I asked him to do the McFly family one as a commission, and I'm like, but you have to do the McFlys in two different timelines. You have to draw. You have to do. I want you to do two portraits, in, like like in a like a, in a giant locket oh, kind of frame. Oh, like that. And then one. And, and Why one have I never seen this? And Kirk one. Kirk Demaris. Kirk Demaris. Kirk Demaris. Yes. Kirk Demaris. So Kirk. So 
I asked him to because he does he does these really awesome like hand drawn pencil color colored pencil. It's like sketches. a Sears portrait of <laughs> of, of famous movie yeah. families, and so he did the one of, of the Johnsons, Navin Johnson, yes. and, and, and this black family. And um, so I tr- I tried to commission him to do uh, t- the two different uh, McFly families. Like the slick one and then the the old one, yeah. and then to just have them both say 1985 on both sides. Wow, oh, that's, that's great! Uh, and then what ended up happening was he just did it, but didn't do that. Uh, like he well, just did he I, just did one of the timelines, and then I didn't get it. I, <laughs> oh no! I tried, even though I fucking asked him for it, I tried to get him to do a McFly one where they were disappearing. Oh, oh shit! That was the one I really wanted. I wanted half of their bodies to be there That's around right. that well. I just, was... I just found out. You know the church on on Highland and Franklin? Yeah, yeah. The basement. That's where they filmed Enchantment Under the Sea Dan. What? Yep. What? Yeah. Yep. The church that, that supports uh, AIDS, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're open to everybody. AIDS yeah, church. I don't know yeah. if they support AIDS. Well, they got the big AIDS uh, ribbon right. The, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that means hey, we're all big we're, all, we're we're right behind you, AIDS. Big fans of AIDS. I see a big line. I think. I think when there's a big line there and they're just giving out AIDS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You think they're really just giving out AIDS to the homeless? That's I think, yeah. yeah exactly. Because you normally you'd have to pay for it. How else yeah. are we going to get rid of them? That's yeah. so crazy. That's where they shot in That's a, Yeah, oh, the wow. basement there. Not a Whittier High School. Where I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so Jenner. I get it, Matt. So that's where they shot the fish under the sea dance. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, no. scooped you, I scooped the you on the jerk one because I was working. I was the day I went in there to kind of meet and look at all the paintings for the lost stuff. And he was opening up this... That the that night they were opening up the the gallery for this pop culture art stuff, and I saw that jerk painting. I was like, "Can I buy this? Yeah, buy it before the show opens." So I bought it before. Uh, I never had a chance. Yeah, you never had a chance. I did buy the print though, which and it's still it's gorgeous. Yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's and that, so that show that show is called Crazy for Cult. Yes, and that was okay. the fourth one this year. Yeah, it's and they're also known awesome. for doing I Am Eight Bit, which is all the art yes. based off of a, you know old video games. It's yeah, really yeah. a cool, yeah. cool gallery. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're doing great really, work. Really, there. Yeah, that guy Jensen. The cool thing about the uh, 3G show is that they got a lot of artists that don't normally do those other two shows. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's like it's a lot of a varied. You know. I feel like right now I have a lot of like too much pop culture art. Like my, like my, uh, my. It's office. a dangerous road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my <laughs> office now. I'm like, oh, I should switch this up just a little bit. Yeah. It's too many, too many Ghostbusters, too many Goonies, too many yeah. things like that. Yeah, I have like uh, the uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure by uh, Dave Perillo. Oh yeah, uh, the, the board game one. That's yeah. Awesome. I have that one, and I have like a UHF by uh, Tom Whalen. And oh, I just, yeah, it's, just, so it's beginning, it's becoming a bit too much pop yeah. culture. You, you, you don't want your house to look like a pop culture gallery. Yeah, exactly. Like, I sure love all these movies. Yeah, and it's like, it's, it's better to go for the ones that are a little more vague, though, you know? Yes. It's just that it looks cool, but like you, it, oh, it also happens to Well, be. the one that I just bought was uh, this, it's a print of, like, it's like a, you know, those old, like, catalogs where like, buy a Cadillac, or buy, you know, like, those yeah. old kind of, like, hand-drawn car things, like, from the 40s or something like that. Like, I bought that. But it's for Hill Valley. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looks like, uh, you know, like traditional, like, men in fedoras and women, yeah. you know. And then up in the corner, there's a little flying DeLorean. Yeah, my friend Paul Bonanno got that. Why does Biff get so pissed off when he sees a flying DeLorean? I bought, oh. I bought Like, he gets so mad about it. I bought this one from, from an, an artist named Dave Perillo. It's, uh, yes, the one that did the, the Twilight uh, Zone A to Z. That was, oh, yeah, that was, they great. did that. That was the Twilight Zone they had. They had that show there, too, yeah. A is for Aliens, B is for Beauty, C is for Cookbook. It goes all the way through. Oh, C that's for really Zone. great. Yeah, Dave Perillo, same guy did the podcast uh, listener, Chris just pulled out the print. <laughs> uh, Dave, yeah, Dave Perillo and Tom Whalen, the guy who did the UHF one, and, you know, um, but like those guys uh, have a place, like a, their own little gallery uh, workspace in Philadelphia, which is really awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
But anyway, why does Biff get really pissed off in part two? Why does Biff... In the beginning of the end of Back to the Future, well, I guess it's at the well, beginning of part two, he, he gets seems... so angry about Because he doesn't understand. He doesn't glorious. understand, and that's what makes stupid people get angry. He immediately thinks something is going well, on. Instead of, hey, I just... It's a remnant of a timeline, even though it hasn't happened yet, that he no. remembered that, uh, that, that he got in and he got hurt by that. But it is pretty... Yeah, I, I always wonder, like, how the fuck does he know like, how what to... What the hell is going on here? How the fuck does he know how to fire up the time circuit? Like that, that. Well, I mean, it's. I very, mean, Doc Brown probably just, is pretty smart about making things yeah, aesthetically it's very, easy. To it's use. right there. It's yeah. right there. You just turn that. You turn that little switch. Circuits go yeah. on. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Hmm? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only problem with Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> I love one part. I love that Back to the Future Two was supposed to, or Back to the Future One. Originally, it was not a DeLorean. Right. It was a refrigerator. refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, which really? is a terrible yeah, idea terrible. for a, but not a kid's movie, but a movie in which young people will see it. Get yeah. in this refrigerator yeah. and you'll go <laughs> back in time. Yeah, it was a refrigerator and Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Yeah. It was a refrigerator and they had to be near a nuclear explosion. Has anyone, has anyone, released it? Has anyone seen the Eric Stoltz footage? Just f- October 26th, yeah, that's everybody. That's when the new DVDs. The Blu-rays, there are snippets. Oh really? Of actual moving footage. So I'm guessing with at sound? least 30 frames with sound. We gotta get Eric Stoltz on here. I wonder if he'll talk about it. I wonder if the I would love to get him. I want to know his voice. That'd be awesome if the voice was like the exact same that well, uh, I, Michael J. Fox used. I that he <laughs> no, was, are you yeah. kidding? Eric Stoltz would be like he's so he's so understated. He'd be like. Are you trying to tell me like, <laughs> you built a, a time machine out, out, out of a DeLorean? Like, he's so understated, yeah. like, it's some kind of wonderful. He's also, they said it was too serious. Yeah, it was too, yeah. Like, it was it was playing dramatic. But, I mean, so every sorry. time I look at pictures from him in that movie, it's like, they shot a lot. Like, yeah. it wasn't like a week. It was like, yeah. they put in some time. Like, there will be blood. That was the same thing. They shot, like, for three weeks with another guy, and then they replaced him with Paul Dano. I heard oh, really? that there yeah. was... Oh. I think they did like almost half of the movie they shot yeah. with Eric Stoltz. Just, I didn't realize yeah. it was that much. Yeah, it was a lot. I think they did like three or four weeks with Eric Stoltz because I think that's a huge decision to be like, uh oh, we got to recast our main actor. Like, that has to be like, but they you have wanted. to shoot enough to know that that is a, you know. Didn't they want Michael J. Fox, but he couldn't do it because of family ties? And then they oh, decided really? to make it work after. Like, like he would work 20 hours Why? Because Gunn was executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that it would be like played seriously. I don't know. I think no, that like if it was no. played for dramatics. No, no. no? no but Michael That's J. Fox a different plays movie. it seriously, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it's great. I just I wouldn't mind seeing it like. I still, that every long. time the DeLorean goes off of his table into the thing and it lights on fire, I laugh. Still, <laughs> I still laugh. <laughs> Because he does that, that. And also, when he says that, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, I don't have enough time to build it to scale or to paint scale. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, but ultimately, I guess it all worked out because the, he wouldn't have received any residuals anyway because apparently that movie's not made its money back, according to the studio. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, um, uh, Biff. Uh, Tom, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilson. Has made no residual, like they, none of the actors have made residuals off that film because the studio Whoa. claims that they're still uh, oh. in the red. It's still in like the top thirty of all time. Still, yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so fucking crazy. Like, stu- stu- like the way, like the way studios manipulate. Did you see I- how they they made Harry Potter the Prisoner of Azkaban? They made it like, oh, it lost money. <laughs> they decided that it's something that's lost. Like, I lost money because I needed a jet. It's 200 uh, million. Uh, I needed a jet to fly around and tell everyone we lost money. Aren't well, they, aren't they this working movie on that a, made a billion dollars? Aren't they working on a Back to the Future video game right now? They're yes. working, yeah, uh, they are. The new the one Yale. that continues the adventures at Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. What's funny is that when, um, when Rob Zombie was shooting House of a Thousand Corpses, he was like, we would have meetings with the studio where they would tell us we were running out of money, but it cost $1,000 to cater the meeting where they were telling us <laughs> that we didn't have any money. 
Oh man. Oh, Back. you know, speaking of movie news, I just heard this. Uh, my girlfriend went to see the double feature at the New Beverly of uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure oh, on Miller's yes. Journey. Alex Winter was there, and uh, they asked him if he was going to make another Freaked, and yep. he says uh, no, uh, but he is currently working uh, on pre-production for a remake of The Gate. Are you serious? Yes. He's gonna Alex Winter is going to direct a remake of The Gate. But I also hear that they're going to do a new Back to the Bill and Ted's. That's yeah, like that's, the, he didn't mention that. Like he, he, oh, he right. kind of pushed it those away, but like because he's working currently on the gate, which I think God, is awesome. you know at I least make it with black right. people. I can totally understand like an urban reboot, but don't just make like if you're gonna reboot it, like like totally reboot yeah. it. Yeah, don't just cast two like hey, we're server guys. Like don't fucking do that. That is offensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to Fright. Do it with Indians. Do it with Indian guys. Indians the new black. Do you think Fright Night's gonna be good? Well, with Tenet, I yeah. think it's going to be awesome. Did you see that picture of him as like the Chris Angel type magician guy at Vegas, like at the Hard Rock? They had no. the banners up for and it's David Tenet as like a Chris Angel type yeah. guy, and that's I who he gets to that. fight the vampire. How great is that? That's amazing. <laughs> what uh, what show are you nerding out over? Any shows currently? Um, right now, I'm getting excited for shows because Las I feel Vegas like Law. You're getting excited. Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Walking Dead. <laughs> the new Jimmy Smith show. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Boardwalk uh, Empire starts tonight. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. Well, by the time this goes up, it'll have already aired. So isn't it? Wasn't it great? It was awesome. <laughs> so good. The way they captured the oh Buscemi. Of the love Buscemi. <laughs> um, I Walking Dead. 100. percent I'm very excited about that. I just got the comic of that. I wanted to read some of the comics before I started watching. It's See, I'm not going to read it. I want to watch it, and, and then, then read I'll read it. it, and then I'll read it. Um, and then I'm uh, what is that? Oh, I saw the first two episodes of Eastbound and Down. Oh no, which oh. are great of the new uh, season. The new God, season it looks yeah. so good, and it's really, really good. It's Jody Hill, I think, is directing all of them this season too, oh, wow. which is great. And I feel like it's awesome. It's How many are they well, doing? Well. Six again? Or are they doing more? I don't know. I saw two. I don't. I don't know. I would imagine pretty, between six and eight. Yeah, there's like there's a couple of those HBO series where it's like that and bored to death. Yeah, which are like ones that I wanted to get into, but I just haven't. To, like I kind of like to wait till there's a bunch of episodes banked, and then I can just watch. Somebody it. Still has to watch Dream On. Bored to death. Dream I On. Are you guys watching Dream On? Dream On. I'm, wait, I'm still, still waiting. I'm still waiting until it gets really. Don't really spoil alert. I don't want to know if they get back together. <laughs> so just, just, just. For, I'll probably cut this out, but just so you guys know, I will cut to a movie, an audio clip from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> no one will get that but us. Yeah. What was the? Uh, I'm trying to think of Herman's the. Head. Herman's Head. Oh, no, that other show. Oh, uh, Mind of a Married Man. Uh, Mind of a Married Man or something like that. That was Mike Bender. Mike Bender, yeah. Oh, but you know what? He didn't have to oh, be talking yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. I just remember being really uncomfortable because there was one scene. He's like, I love the Three Stooges and I love blowjobs, but I can never get two of them together. And then he got a blowjob while watching the Three Stooges. And I remember even saying, thinking to myself, like, Oh, this is wrong. Oh, I thought he got a blowjob like, from Mo Howard. Uh, <laughs> Come here, you two, and he just slapped his balls. Uh, it's my uh, me and uh, hit him with a hammer. Me and Mike Henry, uh, one of the other writers on Web Soup, uh, were uh, were looking at the what, post. What show was that? <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I mean, Mike Henry. Uh, but like we, we worked were, on a show together. We did. Why was this? Earlier this year, oh, and not wow. forever again. <laughs> but, <laughs> I haven't um, seen any new episodes in a long time. <laughs> I still get the Google voicemails from all the numbers that we put up on there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah like the voicemails. I miss Web Soup. Yeah, but uh, me and Mike. Mike Henry were, uh, saw the posters for Mike and Molly, uh-huh. and which like I've never oh, seen yeah. a promo for it. I just saw like a blue collar looking big dude and like a, a doting wife looking up at yeah. him. And so we started playing a game of like uh, supposed lines that might be in this uh, shitty sitcom. 
And so the ones we came up with was, uh, it's like, uh, hey, Mike, can you take out the garbage? And then Mike says, I will once they're done doing their homework. Uh, ah, that's a, a great joke. Thanks. But I will tell you, that guy, <laughs> Billy, uh, Billy, um, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Mm. Melissa is a very good friend of mine. She's good. She, I She's like her in Gilmore fucking hilarious. Girls. You know, Missy is Jenny's cousin. I remember when uh, when we were when we were doing the singled out comedy program, and uh, Missy Melissa was interning basically for MTV, and she was so fucking funny, and it was just like, why don't you have a show? <laughs> and so it always makes me very happy to see like whenever she's on something because she's. She's a fucking insane improviser. Really? Have you ever seen her no. improvise? She's she's more of a groundlings. Uh, she's more of a groundlings background. Were you, were you were you always UCB? I always UCB. I started in UCB when they were on the five floor walk up in New York City above a hardware store that you had to like go around this like rotting out steps like up oh, to the wow. fifth floor because there was like one elevator but it only holds like three people at a time. It was like <laughs> so I like I remember seeing UCB do ASCAT in an audience of like seven people. It was like me. Andy Daly and a bunch of people that if I name their names, it's not going to make a difference. But uh, me, and, uh, <laughs> but me and Andy Daly, I remember watching it and we'd be like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" And then it became like this huge. Did thing. you go to New York to do comedy, or were you just? I uh, I grew up in New York on Long Island, and then I moved into the city and I joined this thing called like Chicago City Limits, which was like a uh, whose line is anyway, like kind of like every time this bell rings, our actor's going to have to say something different. <laughs> so like I was doing that and like touring around the country with that when I was in college, and then. One afternoon, stumbled upon UCB and was like, "This is mind blowing." And then, like, stop that. Boy, those are so great. Those moments, and it's you know, like the older you get, the fewer of those moments you have. Where yeah. you, where you feel, where you feel the scope of your universe widen when you're like, oh, "You can do comedy like that." Like, yeah. You know, though this, I feel like you know, I kind of had that moment when I saw Black Dynamite again last yeah. year, but uh, or earlier this year, but. Uh, but there's so few there's so so few moments like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's like and it because I feel like you get maybe I don't know if it's you getting jaded or if it's also just like you just you're naive to a certain extent. So like yeah. when you see new things, it's like oh oh you know. It's like I'm always trying to. I mean, it sounds dumb to say, but I I try to watch and see as much stuff as I can because I feel like I don't ever want to like just get so focused on like this yeah. one thing. I was talking to somebody. I was like. You notice like certain like comedy directors just get like go bad after a while too. Like it's just like and we're done. And then, like, <laughs> like, like you know like the movies that they make are like great for you know 1992. And then they yeah. like and they peaked and then you'll never. You can see say them. Ivan Reitman. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there is like there are those moments. It's like it's. I think the only way you can try to stay ahead of it is like always watching new I stuff. Think- yeah, I like the idea of just continuing to be a fan of things. Yeah. Like, you know, not getting jaded. Just like, well, I've seen everything I need to see. We, like, oh, you know what's great, too? And the, the nerdest thing I'm nerding out, like, what I just, I love it, but I just haven't watched a bunch lately, was Delocated. Have you guys watched Oh, Delocated is amazing. It's John Glazer's show on oh, Elf Swim, yeah, where yeah. he's the Witness Protection Program reality it's amazing. show. amazing. If you, yeah, if you have not watched it, go to iTunes, download Dog Mayor. Yeah, yeah. John runs for Dog Mayor. I think it was one of the funniest episodes of television I've seen. So, in like a such long a good time. show. So good. John Glazer is a, is a, is a, an hilarious uh, comedy person. Yeah. He's well said, Chris. Thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> I use the article and in front of others. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's still acceptable to not use that. Anyway. I think also seeing young people, like, not young people, but like, I feel like there's a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to watch these. Like, I think you get into that mold where you start, you only watch your peers at a certain point. Yeah. And I think you have to like challenge yourself. Be like, well, I want to see this thing that. 
maybe you know I don't know like it's not not beneath you but like you like you have to like always be like kind of you know the truth of the matter is that even if you watch something that's and and I'm not not saying this as someone who has the energy to go out and do this anymore but but even if you watch stuff that's terrible it's still good to see like okay well that's what you should not do yeah it's still it's all it's all good like you someone uh, someone's telling me that um you know, if 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 you hit a wall like a right, I can't remember. I wish I remember who it was, but if you hit a writing wall, go to the library and just start reading anything. It doesn't matter. Like you just that right. means that your your kind of your brain sponge is dry, and you just need to kind of soak, start mm. soaking in some new input. Yeah, yeah. That's just, actually really good. I like that idea. Yeah, it is. It's good to go out and see stuff. Like I feel like that's like. When I was like first starting off at UCB, I was at that theater like seven nights a week and yeah. just seeing every possible thing. And it's yeah. like now I'm like, oh, show eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Fun to go get dinner. Maybe I will get dinner instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you got a wife and you got, yeah, you, got yeah. a, you know, you're working all yeah. the time. So, but yeah, it's good to go out and see stuff. And then it's always like, oh, and then whenever I do, I'm like, this is awesome. Why am I not going? What was the experience like? And what was your experience like at MTV? Because I was so thoroughly impressed when they picked up Human Giant. It was like, oh my god. Okay, this could be a return to the old days of MTV, like the like eighties MTV, where they you know showed the young ones and comedy yeah. programs and, and, and idiot box and idiot yeah. box, you know, but liquid television, liquid television, liquid television yeah. you know, but uh, like how did how did that happen and what was the what was the experience like? Because I, I feel like they they did it was a really cool move that they did that. Well, I have to say, like we owe a lot to this guy Tony DeSanto. I know Tony. Him. Yeah, and Tony is a guy who literally you go into his office. He has pictures of the hills on his walls because that's one of the shows he's done. Then he has like the chainsaw from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then like a Darth <laughs> Vader head, and then like you know, then like a Sum Forty One Gold album, and then like you know, and then a Jersey Boys poster, and then you know, and then like a Rob Zombie thing. It's like he is that audience of MTV, the audience who can kind of be like, yes, there's benefits in shows like The Hills, and there's benefits in doing like the Andy Melanakis show, and there's benefits in doing... Tony DeSanto the- shot my uh, VJ audition. Really? Oh, like, wow. When I, when, oh, I right, first, yeah. when I first started working for MTV, it was a show called Trash in 1994, and they canceled the show right away. <laughs> but then they were like, do you want a VJ? And so they flew me out to New York to do a VJ test. I have it on tape somewhere. It's terrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm terrible, not, not Tony. And Tony shot it, and he was just such a fucking cool guy. Well, Tony was like a PA on the Polly Shore show, and now he's like running the network. That's, I mean, that's the thing with MTV. If you stick it out, you'll run it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, because people leave and they take, you know, like, they leave pretty quickly because they're like, yeah. ah, I'm going to go take a less stressful, higher paying job somewhere. But if you stick it out, you'll have an awesome job at MTV. And Tony was like very much like, when uh, the show was, we had made a couple short films and the, and they were brought to his attention. He was like, yeah, let's do it and make it for a price. And we did it for a cheap price. And then uh, our first season, we got, we were in a round table of notes. It was kind of the worst possible thing. We had like a guy who like, he was the executive producer of Run's House. <laughs> giving us notes on comedy, like uh, saying, how, do you, like, how do you take that when when because you guys you guys poorly. had a tight comedy unit. Yeah, we, I, you know I have to say like thankfully we had this guy Tom Giannis who uh, he worked on Tenacious D, he worked uh, yeah Saturday Night Live, he worked with Michael Moore, and he is in the best possible way a bully. So like he is big, he is imposing, he rides a motorcycle. And when yeah. like one of these nerds at the network is giving him a note, he's like, "What?" <laughs> and like he knows, he knows what, what he has, and yeah. like he's able to intimidate notes out. He's able to, um, and and all for the greater comedy good, like, like the autism thing. Oh yeah, yeah. well, that, I mean, this is like we did a sketch where it was um, basically I get trapped 
there's a, the idea that a mother has extreme strength when her child's in a bathroom. Yes, yes, I remember that. So, and, and so basically, like, this mother starts a mother-son moving company. So the only way that she can... With Linda Carlini. Son, Linda Carlini from, yeah, Freaks and Geeks and ER and stuff. So we, like, so she would put her son under, like, a piano, <laughs> knock out the leg, the piano would drop on her son, like, oh, my son! And then lift the piano up and then bring it out. So, like, that was the whole thing. And then, like, I'm nervous the entire time because she's moving me, and I go to grab this bookcase, and it falls on me, and she can't pick it up. And we're like, why can't you pick it up? And she's like, well, I can only do it if you're my son. So we go through this whole, like, I'm still trying yeah. to go under a whole lengthy adoption process. Yeah. <laughs> she adopts me, like, it's now your son. And she can't pick it up. And then she goes, I guess I'll just never love my adopted son as much as I love my real son. And then it was, like, cuts to a kid, and it was, like, don't adopt. And that was, like, the end of the sketch. Like, uh, an ad not for adopt. But I, love, I also love the, uh, the, like, the little kid's voice. Right. No mother can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, the create, And that kid is actually on that show, The Middle. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, and, and uh, but he, um, but it was so crazy because, so we had this end and we really liked it and um, censorship department MTV was like, no way, you can't air this. You cannot say that adopted parents don't love their, you know, their kids <laughs> as much as, but they would come at us with notes like as if it was Oprah. Like, you know, it was yeah. like, it's a comedy show. Like it's, you know, and so our, this guy, Tom Janis, uh, told the censor that he was adopted and that he wrote this sketch because he needed to get out his feelings about being adopted and then broke down the censor woman. The woman started like getting really emotional. She's like, well, the reason why I tried to stop the sketch is because I was adopted too. <laughs> and, like, Did you shoot this? That's a fucking great sketch. And so like, so basically like he opened up, like they got into this whole conversation about being adopted. Now Tom never adopted. <laughs> and, and just to get this sketch through. So that was like, that is commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is a good so. producer. Yeah. So Tom was like our bully in the room and then when we finished, and I mean, we got notes, like we did this one sketch that we love, and if other people like it, it's fine. I don't know, it's one that we all love. It was called Hot Air Balloon Cops, and it was the whole idea was that we were like cops, like, uh, like you know, like chase cops, but we only had a hot air balloon, so we couldn't control, we couldn't go as fast as the cars being that we were chasing, we couldn't control which way we were going. And I remember the guy at MTV going like, it doesn't make any sense, like why would you use a hot air balloon to chase these things? And I was like, and so like, those were the notes, it's like, ah. Oh. So the, the second season, Tony, was, like we told Tony, like, the notes we're getting are really kind of shitty. And he's like, okay. And he got rid of that whole round table of people and just gave us one guy who was uh, amazing. And he was uh, the guy who did Danny Milanaka show. And he only cut one of our sketches, two of them. But one we never knew was going to get on air. One sketch he cut was a trophy contest for tr for making trophies. <laughs> and he said it was like it was too confusing because they're oh I won the first place try prize for creating the second place trophy. <laughs> and he was like, oh I'm really excited about this. And like having a number so like the second place trophy will go to the first place winner. Like, third place trophy will be the third place. So I was like really confusing. Like that was when he's like, no, we couldn't shoot that. And the other one we shot, which we it was tough to shoot, but it was me and Kristen Schaal, and I was a ultra-religious abortion doctor. So I would give abortions, but I really, I was like, so before I give her an abortion, I'd be like, so I'd be like, Lord, please guide my hand. And so we like shot this whole like, this ultra-religious abortion doctor, and they watch it like, no. That's uh, awesome. And we were like, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, those are the only two ideas that we could not get past MTV. You know, and, and it's also there, there's also a tactic that a lot of people use in the business where they where they will shoot something insane like oh, that. Oh yeah. 
to let what they really want to go get through, just to like catch the attention of, of the network. Oh, you, yeah. can't, you can't do a religious abortion, Doc. Oh, you're right. You're right. Your other stuff through. And to this day, we uh, we're not canceled by MTV. I mean, Tony and ever like, we would love you to come back, do something, do something. No, what happened? Basically, Aziz got Parks and Rec, okay. and uh, we were on a hiatus. Aziz got Parks and Rec, and then. Parks and Rec originally was going to be shooting in like August or September, and then Amy got pregnant, and they pushed it to January start. So we could have done a season three, but at the point in the where we she could have used a religious abortion. Yeah, doctor. she could have got her abortion <laughs> back on track. But, but like that was the we had to make a decision in July, and knowing what we knew, we were like, well, Aziz is not going to be around, and then like, are we going to be like? We'll be like a you know a man down. We're gonna be trying to get the show going. It's like, like those Stella shorts without Michael Ian Black. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so weird. Like we were a little bit like we didn't want to do that, and we were nervous that it would like wreck what we had. And I think the writing room that we had and what we created was really strong. And so we opted in a way to be like, let's not make a mistake and just kind of call it a, a day. And, uh, and then we like got together and did something at the movie awards, which was really fun this yeah. year, which was, you know, so, but it's sort of like not for, and also I think we all, I think underlying it too is like, we all did, weren't sick of each other. We didn't hate each other. And there was like a really kind of benefit and like, Oh, we're really proud of like what we just came yeah. out of. Like we all like each other still. Let's stop. <laughs> everyone seems to be doing very well. Yeah. Everyone's been doing cool and good. And so it's, it's been good and where you maintain friendships and work together. So we always are working together. So how do you guys? Together. How do you how do you write? I mean, how do you what, what's what's your what's your writing process? I mean, do you do you kind of come up with the turn of oh, it's a you know like what do you because there's a lot of there's a lot of great twists in yeah. I'm I'm sounding like an asshole trying to explain it, but you guys have a lot of incredible twists in your sketches. Do you do you just kind of write a basic sketch and then just figure out how to start balloon twisting it, or do you start with a twist and then write backwards? I think you know it depended on the sketch, and I think a lot of the times. Uh, some of our my favorite twists happen in editing. Like we'd be like, oh, you know what we should do? We can maybe put this like you know, we were always laughing because like we would always put like a graphic up or a black and white frame like these people died. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, that's like, a classic way to yeah, yeah. But like we always were killing our characters at dance. A lot of them happened in editing, and then the writing process was really kind of great, infuriating, and fun all at the same time because. We would go into a room and then we'd just pitch ideas, like one sentence ideas a lot of the times. And then the whole group would have to be like, yes. And then we would go forward. And then that sketch after it was written would then have another pass. But like to even get an idea to the writing stage, we all had to be on the same page. We never wrote anything where one of us is like, ah, I don't like it. So like you would go in and pitch like 50 ideas and then be like, yeah, I think that there's something there. And then, and then it was a matter of like, does it go from there? And I think... We were we did so much rewriting and writing and writing, so that's when the twist would kind of come in. Like, how can we elevate this? How was it just the three, or did you have a bigger staff? For we the had show? this. We did it. This amazing thing. It was the three of us plus Tom, who oh, actually, sorry, the four of us. Jason Wallner, who was oh yeah, who directed everything, and he was one of the major writers of the show. Like uh, the three, you know, so Wallner, Hubel, Aziz, and I, Tom Giannis, and then we bring in this amazing collection of writers. I mean, Howard Kramer wrote for us, who did like Austin City Limits, and we just talked about him on Scare Jackets. John Glazer wrote for us, and was in the show, was amazing. We had like, uh, oh, like Todd Berry, mm-hmm. and um, Eric Appel, and the, like this amazing list of- Jonah just, like, Ray came in for- Jonah uh, Ray, <laughs> uh, Brett Gelman, John Daly, uh, Morgan Murphy. Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn, like- Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll, yeah. like all these amazing people. Like, everyone of our friends would come in 
for a day or two and write. And I mean, when you came in, it was like you just pitched ideas, right? Then we just well, it's like uh, we uh, we all pitched. Like I just yeah came up with a bunch of pitches, but then I also was in charge of writing uh, one of Nick's ideas from like the week before. Oh yeah, so, so yeah. it's like it's like you guys all agreed on that one, and then like I had to write that one with Brian. Which was basically just Brian Posehn watching me write it. Uh, <laughs> what about this, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. so I mean, it, we we lucked out. I mean, we had Patton Oswalt in there. We had like we called in every comedy favor, and it was one of those things too where it was kind of fun because you would just like a lot of these people didn't have an outlet for a sketch, so it was like, oh, Patton, do you have an idea for a sketch? And he was like, yeah, how about this? And then you know, like Patton wrote that one sketch, uh, the interview sketch we had, like where it was like we go in for an interview, Michael Bush is oh, yeah, in it, yeah, yeah. and like Hubel blows up. It's like it's. But it was like really in Patton's voice. We just kind of just surrounded ourselves with as many funny people as we possibly could, and that's that was the best. Thing. I loved. I had so much fun when we did. Uh, we we played uh, South by Southwest a few couple oh, of years yeah. ago, and we did that one show in Waterloo Park. Oh yeah, the, the Mess of Texas. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. the Mess of Texas show, and then you and you guys did the uh, the, the T-shirt cannon guys. <laughs> yeah, that which was, was a fucking classic. T-shirt cannon was amazing. Like that was one that like not amazing. Like not, like I mean the sense that we were got to run around with t-shirt cannons. Like we were just like, like whenever we shot like a real like intense sketch like t-shirt cannons, we got a college to let us go on their basketball court during halftime. They thought that we were like part of the school to shoot t-shirt cannons. <laughs> you know we had actors in the audience and like you know it was kind of nerve wracking and like you know, were shooting these like big canisters of air and. That was yeah. That was a really fun thing. That was a John a John Blazer bit, the T-shirt cannon thing, awesome. and like so that we like, and that was something where we kind of all jumped on that idea. It's like, what if it was like a elite team of like T-shirt cannon guys? And like, oh, what if it was like the A team? Like they're like it's like they're the ultimate force that you call in and they get people psyched and you know. So it's like all this build. Like, we did a lot of building on people's ideas. Did you ever were you ever a stand up? No. No, I have uh, never did that. I did only improv and sketch. Do you not like? Do you do you hate like playing yourself? Do you just like doing character stuff? I started to do stand up recently, like within the last six months, and it's frightening for me. And I feel like I can't hide behind anything. And I also feel like I want to get up a lot. And I feel like out in LA, it's really hard to get it, up it a lot. Awesome. But you're still likable, Paul Shear. Oh, you're so yeah, likeable. nice to say that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's something I would like to try. But like, I think the closest that I come to it is what Rob Hubel and I do. We do a show called Crash Test out here. Yeah. And that's so much fun because it's just basically us on stage doing like half bits or two, like kind of two man stand up in a way. And I feel like just to have somebody to interact with, I come from such an ensemble background that it's like fun for me anyway to be like, I'll do anything in front of any audience, like with somebody up there. <laughs> Me by myself, like I'll get like nervous. Like, oh shit! How am I gonna do? Like, we're going on a league tour this week. I'm going with like a Z. I'm going with a Kroll. This guy Steve Ranazizi and John Lajoie, like all like accomplished stand-ups and performers. And it's like, what what are you gonna do? I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like nervous. I got like talking to them. Like, well, you can do stuff on the road. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. So like I'm in a panic right now about it. So maybe I'll try a little bit of stand that I've been working on, but I don't know. Do you find yeah. the writing process different? Um, yeah, very much different. I mean, because things that make me laugh, I don't know if they're, that's like for mass consumption sometimes either. <laughs> like, like in my head, what I think is really funny, like I don't know if that always comes out the best way. Like, when I'm trying to do it in stand-up. I don't know. Have but you ever thought about, and this might sound stupid, so I hope it doesn't come across uh, asshole-ish, but have you ever thought about writing for the character of Paul Shear? Like, have you ever thought about putting your, your identity into a character and then yeah. writing from that point? I think that's what I have to do, and I, I felt like one time when I did stand-up, I've only done like about like 10 or 12 times now, like the one time that it felt the most natural to me was like I kind of 
the set the set was kind of around like an energy that I was more comfortable with, like kind of in the same way I did Best Week Ever. I think it was a more like excitable yeah, yeah. enough, like and not trying to be, not like I was trying to be cool, but like just really embracing that energy. And it felt like oh, everything I was saying in that energy was working. Not being cook style. Not that there's anything wrong with being cook style, but I wasn't like <laughs> running around and staying. But uh, yeah. but I was just like embracing a certain element of yeah. Of, yeah. So I think I, I think I should. Do that. I want to try to experiment with it. It's a challenge to me. I it's feel interesting, like. and then it's very you know like getting out of this sort of insulated UCB environment, which is a fucking wonderful environment sure. to do comedy in. But you know when you it's 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 just it's just different when you get in front of uh, people with regular jobs that yeah. don't uh, <laughs> yeah. that don't think about comedy all yeah. the time that don't yeah. have time to wait in line on Franklin. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, but it, yeah, it's a to- I mean, I used to tour around the country with Chicago City Limits, and we would go and like so that gave me a whole understanding of what it is, and then. Yeah, you have to, like, it's not, yeah, no, like, there's a very small section of alternative uh, alternative comics, like, fans, and they, they'll come out to certain shows, but if you're going anywhere besides, like, New, L.A., San Francisco, maybe Boston, New York, Chicago, and, and, Chicago and, and maybe D.C., too, like, Arlington Draft House. Yeah, Arlington Draft House. Austin. I'm going, yeah, I'm oh, going to be, yeah, yeah. be at the Arlington Draft House. Oh, yeah, actually, I am going to be at the Arlington Draft House October 1st and 2nd. Oh, wow. Have you done it? Uh, we're going, I think we're going there this week so we'll be oh I guess that's a while away this will um, well this this episode will go up by the time this goes oh. up you will have just been there I've been there okay yeah. was so, it fun it was so much fun oh, I think so Draft House is amazing is, I opened up for the Sklars there it's a great place oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited about it I hope people come out I never know if people are how do you write stand up how do you attack it I, you know I, I really wish I had I really wish I could go into the mode more of um, I wish I could do the Mike Birbiglia thing a little bit more who is going to be a guest on the podcast about it coming up okay. um, but the way that Birbiggs writes is like he fucking writes like it's a job like he does the Seinfeld thing where he'll oh, just really? write from you know he rented an office for a while uh, and I think he I think there's a story where like, I won't get him to tell it but where he says to our other friend Jen Kirkman like, yeah, yeah. I think we need to rent an office and just start writing like it's a job she's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> and, and, and then he did and then you know like all this great material came out of it and it's very hard for me to sit down and just like it's comedy writing time right but I feel like it's important um, because I think it sort of loosens the gravel in your brain to get to the to, to, to kind of have those ideas pop into your head yes later on when you don't expect them like if you're driving or you're in the shower or whatever on a plane yeah. or whatever when I was like working on like trying to do stand up like I like there was a time where it was like everything was just coming to my head I was like writing down a million ideas and it was I think it was like once you kind of kickstart that one part of your brain then it just start you start to examine yeah. things that way but I, I do a lot of writing that's not stand up too so it's always hard for me to be like oh when am I oh should I focus on that or should I focus on this and you know it's like and you go back and forth like I'm like oh I'm writing the script so I should maybe be is that a better sense of my time or you yeah. know it's like because I feel like I'll, I always feel like oh I'm never going to be like these like you're like Mike Birbiglia is a perfect example like that guy is working at it 90% of the time so like if I go up there am I that like an insult to yeah, the world yeah, of stand yeah, up yeah, exactly. no no not at all and, and I think something else that I started doing was you know if I came up with like sort of a turn on an idea that I think might be interesting, I'll just sort of throw it out as a phrase. Right. I'll just say that. Oh, I'll just. Good. I'll just like in the middle of a set. I mean, it helps that I'm on the road doing like hour hour long sets, but to just sort of throw the like this idea out there and see if there's any reaction. And if there is any reaction, then I'll take it home and just start trying to tag it out. And, yeah. And even nice. when I would run out of. Because I think I would have this idea like, oh, I, when I sit down to write, I have to come up with whole new premises. And then one day, like a year and a half ago, I was like, oh, wait, no, I don't. I actually went in 
I went into a Starbucks for like four or five hours and just went through bits that in my head were done. Right. I like, I wonder if I can add this, add anything to this. Yeah. And that really helped. And I came up with new tags on stuff and different ways to connect things. So, so yeah. it's helpful to go in and rework stuff. Even, you know, even if it doesn't work, it's just kind of gets you in the mode of. Yeah. Well, to me, like I've been recording all this stuff and that's like really interesting too. You hear yourself say, cause you can hear where the, I mean, you hear where the laughs are and you're like, Oh, let me just take out this chunk right here. Right. And then, the and then the, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like editing it. Like, oh, right. Yeah, that that thing I said was kind of funny in the moment. Like, let's put that here. And it's There's like, something else you can do, which is which is really interesting to try, which is take a set and then transcribe it. That's what I've been doing, yeah. You've been doing that? Because then you can see, you can almost see a mathematical representation of like, <laughs> There's no joke for three inches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of this is just extraneous. I either need to stick a joke in there or just cut it out, like 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 you said. So that's an interesting way to do it too. Did you find like I, I was talking to somebody about this too? Like there is like like uh, like somebody said like stand up's a song and people have to like want to listen to your song. Like, do you feel like you have? I mean, when I watch you, like you, I guess, but that like you know, you also have like a it's a, that, that defined personality. I think what you were talking about too. Like I feel like. Like until you find that exact voice that you say all your stuff, because like, almost like you get to a point where you can try out an idea that you've never tried out, but they're hearing your rhythm and your voice, and it's sort of like, oh, I'm kind of not preconditioned to laugh, but they're into your right, your, yeah, your, your I, rhythm, yeah, your, your rhythm. I think it's an interesting thing yeah. like, when you hear stand-ups, like if you listen to like a Jim Gaffigan or or even Aziz or Crowley, they all have like a a certain rhythm, and I think you do yeah. as well. Like it's a sort of like, and you and as well as you do. Like I feel like once you get that. Um, once you get that rhythm, you can kind of like throw anything in yeah, there. Yeah, I actually like, was talking about that earlier today with a friend of mine where it's like, you know, uh, Louis C.K. can pretty much just talk about what happened to him that day, but he knows the rhythm to put it into where yeah. it just sounds funny. Yeah. And then he, from there, he can work into the jokes and flesh it out. But like, he knows how to make things funny. I am so it. enjoying his, his show. His show is awesome. I love Louis. I wish he would come on. I mean, I, and I don't, listen. Louis, Louis is a much better comic than, I mean, I, I think he's in, incredible. But he's under this new strategy of like, I'm gonna come up with a new hour every fucking year, which yeah. is amazing, insanely yeah. ambitious. I thought George Carlin would do that. Yeah, too. exactly. That's what he's modeling off of it, I think. Oh, really? I think I read in an inter interview, he was just talking about like, it's like, that's how he kind of wants to do it. So Doug, uh, Doug Benson's doing Doug Benson's now. not doing yeah, it every year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. I personally would rather, I mean, I kind of like, I kind of like, I kind of like tweaking stuff a lot. Like I'm not. I don't feel like I would want to do a brand new hour every year. Cause then, cause I feel like, just because of the way that I work. I don't yeah. know about you guys. Like, oh, I st I still want to add five more tags to this. So like, I don't want to just. Okay, I can, this is this is good. I'm gonna right. do it. You know. Yeah. Well, Louis. Well, the thing I love about Louis too is he throws it away. Like when the year is over, yeah, just he doesn't like when he starts his new act. It's from rock bottom. He doesn't bring in old stuff like he just did CDR a couple weeks ago and it was like his year was up and so it was like alright here we go and he doesn't go back in that well and be like oh I'm bombing it's no like, it's incredible it's like okay no no everything you know, new who else new. does that too is uh, Paul F. Tompkins well, oh, yeah. like you, you'll see like he'll have a whole new 20 minutes even though you Every saw him two weeks ago yeah. and Patton is the same way he's got a whole fucking polished new chunk yeah. of material Kyle Kinane also every time I see Kyle Kinane these Kyle's days hilarious. it's just like a new a new chunk of stuff well you know um, the thing I liked about Paul in his last album Paul F. Tompkins was that he did three Three tracks of just improvised bits. Yes, and it was oh, and Freakworth. Yeah, and yeah. It was like, wow, that's impressive. It's yep. and you know, but like Paul F is a guy too, where I feel like I can just listen to Paul F talk about anything. Anything. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that's another guy. Like that, that you know, that rhythm of the, you know, it's like 
it is like that conversational thing. It's like we're just getting great. But all, all these guys that we're talking about have been doing comedy for over twenty years. Yes. So like you you can right. see like you, you can see that if you you know if you if you stick it out like working on MTV if you stick it out yeah, you know yeah. you're you're gonna you're gonna figure it out if you're you know if you're if you're a smart dude which you know yeah how long have you been doing comedy I've been doing comedy uh, gosh maybe for. Um, sorry, it's taking me like 15 years. Yeah. Like, I mean, but like, I mean, but so improv, yeah. like, yeah, like I started in college and then like, yeah, I mean, it depends. Like I've been at UCB since it first opened. So I always use that as a judge. So, oh, well, you know, 15, 13, 13, in that, in that uh, more, more than 10, but doing improv and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's been fun. And like, these are guys that are, you know, doing stand I mean, just think about it, like doing stand up and like starting in Boston or New York. But think just, about improv. I mean, like you, you know, you, you have an improv voice, right? Don't yeah. You, oh, yeah. Either. I mean, oh, I could do improv. I mean, I do, hopefully I'm good at it, but I mean, like, I have no, like, and the same thing I can go on stage with Hubel and feel comfortable. Like, there's certain relationships with people that I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, it's, it's good. And, you know, I feel like I still learn stuff, but it's sort of like, I don't like, I'm sure Louis doesn't get nervous going up on stage. Yeah. Oh, you just totally reminded me that I wanted to talk about the streamings before we wrap this up. Oh my goodness. First of all, (laughs) okay, the streaming awards, you guys, were uh, were a delightful disaster. It was, uh, yeah, it was a train wreck of epic proportions. You, if, if they had anyone who was any... Like you were, you were, you were so talented. Like oh, it was so, nice so fucking that. incredible. Like you, you were so enjoyable to watch. Just because I went and sat to them and then yeah. presented an award, and some guy put his dick in my in my. Oh, uh, that was terrifying. My, terrible. My, yeah, my pants where my butt is kept. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, so you know, like there were all these technical problems, and by all by all uh, superficial at this by point. all superficial appearances. It was a professional show. It was at the Orpheum Theater. Yes. There was a there was a crane. There was a big crane and cameras and all sorts it, of. There was it, a red carpet. It was. It, re, it really like looked like it could be something awesome. And from moment one, <laughs> I remember being backstage right before. Well, first of all, I knew that there was going to be a problem when I on the Monday before the Saturday show. I said, "When are we going to rehearse?" And they said, "Sunday." <laughs> and, and I was like, "Whoa!" Well, well, I mean, this is like. Well, but I, mean, I need more time than this. I mean, I need to get on the stage and see what's going on. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll get you in at noon. The show was like four or five, <laughs> and um, and I had all of, I would say, fifteen minutes of rehearsal, and that was it. And this is a show with you know cameras on cranes, like you said, and you know monitors and people, everyone. Tons running, of cues. Tons of which they missed on those shows. And and uh, and so basically, oh, I, I remember being backstage. The show started. And there was a dance number that went on, and the dance number on camera, it will, it was like bad Broadway. It was bad Broadway, and I, I don't have no offense to those people who did that thing, but it was no offense camera. to the people who did that awful thing that I hated. <laughs> but it was like the camera work was catching people at the wrong time, so it was like a really cool thing would happen, and they would hit in at the wrong <laughs> moment. So which, it was is just, which is just a function of not rehearsing. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And so, like being backstage watching it. And see, like, I wasn't seeing the picture that the audience was seeing, but I was seeing what the people at home were watching streaming live. And I was like, Ugh. and then my mic was on before the show, like so everyone at home was listening to me like rehearse my monologue. And oh, me no. And and I guess what the, the the thing that was so incredible to me was number one, I it sort of bummed me out because I was I was afraid that that awards didn't do internet culture any justice by all the stuff that went wrong which yes. sort of made it seem like oh yeah of course no I, for a second I thought that the internet might be a real form yeah. of, of creative uh, expression but 
it's pretty amateur still. But to watch to watch you and Hubel and Crawl, and then followed by like dudes who make fart noises on YouTube, right? And, and you have millions and millions of uh, subscribers yeah. on their YouTube channel. Get up and try to be funny in a in an, an arena that they did not belong in yet. Yeah. Was like to see to see kind of like amateurish comedy, and then see you guys come back on. It's like okay, there really there really still is something to being yeah. a trained yeah. Yeah. Uh, professional. Co- you know, a co- comedian rather than just like, yeah, like yeah. It, it really, it really was interesting the juxtaposition of those two. I thought I, I took a little bit of flack because like there was, I think there was a community like, look, I'm from like, I mean, from the internet. But I mean, I perform on stage, but I've done stuff on the internet. I have no, uh, no, in my mind, like distinction. Like these people are beneath me. Like they're like your monologue ripped on us and, and made our thing seem unworthy. And I was like, it was, and I was like. Okay, first of all, watch any award show from the Academy Awards down on down. Like, that's what uh, uh, you yeah. take the piss out of it. But no, I wasn't like, you guys suck. It was just like jokes. Like, no and, one's making any and, money. And you have to because you can't you can't present an internet awards show like. I think I speak for everyone when I say this is the most awesome thing that's ever happened. Like, you yeah. have you kind of have to take the point of view of the audience and be like. Hey, you know we're a young kind of struggling medium, and uh, and this is you know we're just gonna have fun. And there were people like you can't you, you, by saying that we don't make money, you're perpetuating the myth. I was like, yeah, it's like come on now, like I mean we're all like it's fine. It's, yeah. It was like these people afraid of people not getting into the internet because they hear that you don't make money. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was gonna check out this internet thing, uh, but no one makes money. No one makes yeah, money, so I guess it. I'll just opt out. And there were very great, nice people that I met there, and I just think that you know it's. I learned a very important lesson, which is it is hard to do an award show. You need to rehearse. You need to, re- and you need to rehearse. You just need yeah. to rehearse. I mean, thankfully, I had like BJ Porter there who, uh, backstage, and it was great to be able to run off and try to figure it out. But it was yeah, miscues all all around, and yeah, it was rough. But for the most part, all those all the all the internet video kids are really sweet, and and you know, like I just. I think I just I hope it opens doors for them so they can get better training because yeah. you know just doing webcam stuff is a very specific form of comedy and you gotta you yeah. gotta get out and, and yeah that's what actually Matt Besser from UCB would say that a lot he says like you know he he would see kids that were just like you know huge stars on YouTube come and try to do live performing and they just don't know how to do it but you know you different. know who's awesome though is Bo Burnham is like a dude who oh yeah totally. Like, do you know, do you know? Yeah, yeah, the piano kid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's yeah. also like, he's a, prof- I mean, like, a lot of those YouTube videos are like people's doing, so, like, you know, it's not like, I don't know, some of the ones that I've seen are not talents, they're personalities. It's sort of like, yeah. you know, it's sort of like the way that Perez Hilton is like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what Perez Hilton's trade is besides... Being this guy who MS Paint, gossip. he's very high on the MS Paint. <laughs> uh, uh, MS Paint Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, I feel like. People who put some energy behind their actual performance. Hey, Bo Burnham, really funny guy. Like, so I we're about to we need to wrap it up oh. here because uh, we uh, we're we're just over an hour. But um, but first of all, Paul Shear, you are a delight. Well, it's so much fun so to hang out with you. I, yeah. you know, I always get bummed because I, I get lazy and cranky about going out and hanging out and being social, and then and then I hang out with people like you. And I'm like, God damn it. This is what I need to be doing. I feel the same way. So it's actually really fun as a fan of the show. It was great to kind of... Yeah, thanks for coming on. So what, 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 is there anything that, uh, that you would like to promote? Um, yes. I am on an FX show called The League mm-hmm. right now. So season just started. Season just started, but now probably by your time you're hearing this, we're a couple weeks in. Three. Two, three weeks in. Yeah. It's fun. Check it out. Really funny people on it. Amazing 
cast, but then amazing guest stars: Jason Manzoukas, Rob Hubel, uh, Lake Bell. Uh, amaz- really, I'm forgetting a million people. Craig Bierko. Uh, Love Craig Bierko. Craig Bierko is amazing, uh, and yeah, it's really fun. I think, and it's written by Jack and uh, Jeff and Jackie Schaefer, who Jeff writes on writes and directs Curb and wrote Bruno and Borat with Sasha Baron Cohen. So it's and he wrote on Seinfeld, and this is his new show. That's that's great. So you so you've got the league, and then uh, you are you were just at Paul Shear on the Twitter. Yes, right? at Paul Shear on Twitter. Yeah. Is there is there a website of something? Uh, there is a website, paulshear.com. which, which is, is also your Tumblr, which is also my Tumblr. Yes, S C H E E R. Thank you very much. Yes, S C H E E R. Paul Shear. Awesome, Paul Shear. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Matt Jonah, is there anything you guys want to promote before we get out? Jonah and I will probably be having dinner sometime. I don't know. Yeah, comedy meltdown every third Friday at Meltdown Comics in Hollywood. Great. Show. Yeah, it's a fun show. You've been on it. I've been on it. You've been on it. I've been on it. You sometimes show up. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> That's what I do. And, and like I said, I will be at the uh, Arlington Draft Cinema uh, just in Arlington, Virginia. Pretty close to D.C. apparently. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, October 1st and 2nd. So come to that as well. All right. That is the end of the program. The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. <laughs>